2: With a career devoted to the song side of the music industry for 30 years, Helen has been recognized by Music Week as being commercially savvy with deep industry knowledge and good judgment. Starting her career at PRS for Music, working with their members to spending 20 years at BMG, which is now Sony Music Publishing in the copyright team, and now heading up the sampling and infringements team at Universal Music Publishing, which is a constantly growing part of the business she has had quite the inspiring career. There was so much to talk about, we really packed a lot into our conversation. As ever, thanks for hitting play on this podcast and we really hope you enjoy. Welcome Helen to the Mellow Compass podcast how are you today? I'm good. The sun's stopped shining, which
0: actually is quite good, so you don't get distracted by being really nice outside. But yeah, all good. Happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me.
2: Thank you for being here. So, tell us, how would you describe yourself in three words? I think people would probably call me
0: fun, caring, and kind. Quite upbeat. That's more than three, but anyway, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: So according to Music Week, you have amazing music taste and obviously working in the samples and infringement department of Universal Music Publishing, you will be listening to music all day, every day. So tell us, what are you listening to at the moment?
0: Yeah, that was a really nice comment made by my, my boss, my team. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've got really broad taste and as you say, I have, uh, you, you know, the joy of as part of my job listening to musical day but yeah i I guess at the moment i'm obsessed with thundercat and um salt i I thought those albums last year they they were by far my favorite albums kind of little sims quartet you know like as i say i love all stuff from you know hip-hop soul funk jazz indie electronics so yeah i'm kind of i listen to six music And I listen to lots of music all day just because of the nature of my job. So, you know, I'm excited by music all the time. That's another great thing about working in music publishing that I've missed actually in the last year is working with fellow music nerds. So there's always this atmosphere of sharing of music and suggesting new tracks that people might like or artists or you know so it's just this incredible atmosphere of constant music nerdery really which is great
2: yeah I know I, I love that when someone says oh my god have you heard this song like yeah, it's the best thing ever <laughs> and then you just kind of have that shared love don't you <laughs> yeah
0: definitely and again what's great is you know the difference in age groups or it that none of that matters like I work with loads of amazing young people and you know we're always giving each other tips and or having a good argument about music you know I love the sort of debate around it it's it's a, it's a really great atmosphere to work in
2: yeah and on the topic of samples um tell us what's your all-time favorite use of a sample in a track god that's such
0: a it's like a saying what's your favorite song or doing a top 10 or something there are so many this is the joy of this job when there's a great original track and then it's sampled and the new track is great so i don't know i mean one of the classic ones is um you know the eminem track my name is the way it used labby sifri's i got there which both incredible songs and the way it's sampled is so creative and you know it's the hook people don't necessarily know that but but there's so many i mean i'd say stardust music sounds better with you which used a chaka khan's fate glory box by Porter's Head, which used um, an Isaac Hayes track, beautiful, creative use of a sample. One of my favourites that I worked on in recent times, actually, was this Forte track called Only Human, which sampled a Nelly Furtado track called Afraid. And the way he sampled it is not... It's almost like it made it into this almost kind of like African rhythm. It was was amazing, so exciting. So, yeah, that's, you know, again, another... Part of my job is getting to listen and work on some of these tracks, which you know can be incredibly creative and and create amazing new works. You know, it's a really positive, a positive thing. Sampling.
2: So before we dive into what you do as head of sampling and infringements, can you give us a super quick description of what a sample and what an infringement is, and why uh, does it make sense that your team is responsible for both of these?
0: uh right yes so a sample is when an artist takes uh, a segment of a, a sound recording to put into a new recording the sample strictly speaking would indicate the use of the master as well because i work in publishing i'm dealing on the publishing side so i'm dealing with the rights in the song the underlying song so basically if you've taken a sound recording there's two rights you'll need to clear you need the master recording with the label and you'll need to clear the publishing side which is what I do so basically I will always be involved because often then these days people will maybe replay the sound recording so we call that an interpolation so that's when yeah it's replayed or maybe when someone's just yeah re-singing a little clip from a song but you will still need to clear the rights in the in the song itself in the copyright with the publisher and that's what i do basically i clear samples for our catalogue and i also help our signed writers i also help them to clear samples from third parties with other publishers and then in infringements that's the other side of my role is obviously we're currently in a really litigious climate as you know there's always some claim or other going on so really it's when it's felt that somebody has infringed someone else's song would mean that they feel that they've copied elements from their song without permission. And we would look in whether there are grounds for infringement, because often, you know, we might think, oh, wow, that sounds a bit like it or it's got a feel of it. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's an infringement per se. And down the line, I would get an expert musicologist involved to help on that side of it.
2: What would the musicologists do? Would they listen to the track again and go, oh, are they using the sample or are they not? Is this an infringement?
0: Yeah I mean if it's a sample you know you you'll usually be able to tell if it's lifted from the sound recording and then that would be a bona fide infringement and you'd be able to pursue it but more often than not it's like a oh hang on a minute that sounds a bit like this song and obviously I have many years experience I have an idea of whether something might be infringing but I'm not an expert so we would defer to an independent musicologist who is An expert sort of forensic music academic who also works within, you know, a legal framework. So they would go through musically looking at copyright law to assess whether a particular situation might be grounds for infringement. If it gets to that point, sometimes you can nip it in the bud earlier in the process. But generally, we would always have to defer to a musicologist.
2: These are things that we just don't know about day to day, unless you're like, you know, really in it and working in it. How much would you say your role is split between sampling and infringement? On the whole, it's mainly
0: sampling. I mean, the volume of requests coming in is year on year. You know, it's almost doubling. When I look back, I've been at Universal for four years, and year on year since I've been here, they've nearly doubled every year. So you know, the use of samples, interpolations, adaptations, arrangements, it's not a fad, you know, it's bona fide songwriting tool now. So that's why all the majors you'll find someone like me just clearing samples. 15 or 10 or 20 years ago, you didn't have one person just doing sampling. But now the nature of making music has changed so much that, yeah, you know, my job is clearing samples and the volumes are insane and I know my counterparts at the other publishers would say the same it's been nuts in lockdown as well I mean you know on the positive side our writers and artists are, are making loads of music I mean they're not touring so obviously I guess they have more time to write music and be in the studio and stuff we're getting more requests than ever so it's been a really busy year which again is really positive but sometimes the volumes can be overwhelming and I would say you know that's a key skill in my role is being able to juggle those priorities because everybody's project everybody's song is their most precious urgent thing and you're getting that you know whatever 20 30 of those a day saying oh please you know this is really urgent it's just managing priorities which is um I'd say a really important skill in this role
2: got it so we've gone kind of an overarching view of what you do within sampling and infringements can you go in to a little bit more detail now and like what is your standard day
0: you've got to be able to sort of roll with it so I deal a lot with our US office because as you can imagine we get lots of requests from the US and we have lots of requests to use American repertoire most of my work is done with the US because I'll get a, a UK label will send me a request and if it's sampling one of our UMP US tracks then i will need to go to my counterpart in our us office and they will need to go to their client to get permission so there's a lot of that so overnight and they're in la so overnight often you know there'll be a lot of emails when i come in the morning and i need to see you know because obviously if it's like you know it's a drake track and this is super urgent they need to get on that straight away so every day really it's reassessing priorities you know i have a massive to-do list which (laughs) i seem to never be able to cross off And, and and things come up every day you know there'll be an urgent actually, can you drop everything? Because we've got a really quick turnaround, they want to put this track out by the end of the week, and it's for a major artist. So then you have to juggle your workload to factor that in. But basically, it's, you know, it's it's, it's a lot of by email, it's getting requests in, listening to them, evaluating them, and negotiating. So I would say that they are the sort of Key things that I do: I'm negotiating. It's all about relationships, so it's all about communication. I'm dealing with multitude of departments. I'm, de- I'm dealing with, you know, our clients, or our songwriters, their managers, lawyers. I'm dealing internally with different departments. I work in business affairs, so I work in the legal team. My boss is head of business affairs. I work with lawyers, and then I'll be dealing with counterparts at, you know, Sony, Warner's, BMG. So, it's a constant really all day is just liaising with other people, negotiating on a use. That's kind of the nature of it. With sampling, there aren't any hard and fast rules. It's kind of every situation is unique and every clearance at the end of the day, I need to send to our writers, they need our writers' approval. So, it's their prerogative to A, approve the use and B, to set the terms.
2: If the songwriters generally give their own terms, Would you say that there isn't a generalisation of a percentage split given to a sampled work? When writing splits are agreed for a whole track, that will really be up to the songwriters who have written the track together. So again, I would think it's the same on the sampling when it comes to sampling in terms of splits.
0: So basically, what we'll do is we will, of course, there's basically there's different factors. There's, of course, the the use itself. And we would always, you know, we're always trying to get the best possible terms for our writers. But a fair and equitable percentage, again, we are looking in publishing to secure a percentage of the copyright in the new work. So we're not looking, it's not like sync licensing. It's not like you're getting a one off fee. You are securing a percentage of a new work which will then go on to have, you know, a life, its own longevity of copyright. So that's why it's a really important negotiation because you're creating a new work, not just a one-off fee. We will evaluate the use itself. So listen to the music. And sometimes, you know, you might find in hip hop, the music is kind of the beats of a track. And then, you know, someone's got a vocal melody or a top line or they're rapping over it. So you might say, OK, well, all of the music there is the sample. So let's say that's 50 percent but then there are so many other factors so I think this is what people forget when they come to me and said oh well you know isn't it it, there's only three seconds of this so shouldn't it be like this it's like well it depends how that three seconds appears is it looped is it the hook also as mentioned previously it's about the writers who's the writers the stature of the artist if it's one of our massive writers like an Elton John or, or whoever then Of course, that's going to be different to a newer artist. It depends on, ultimately, it's creative decision on the part of our writer, you know, whether they like the track, whether they want to approve it, who the new artist is, who the label is, if there's a relationship there. You know, sometimes you'll find people will have, communicated and said god yeah you know I love this track so you know let's close the deal at 25 percent it's sort of an inexact science but you know we'll we'll always try and be fair but at the end of the day if we go to our writer and I might think well I think that's about you know 50 percent of the use because the music is the you know key uh it throughout the song but I might go to our writer and they say well no you know I want I want 75 percent of this song so at the end of the day that's their prerogative I think what we need to remember is it's their creation it's their work of art that you're asking if you can adapt so I think it's really important to be really respectful of that and not to go in when clearing samples to go in you know assuming that yeah well I've I've sampled this and I think you should get 50% well no it's you know it's down to our writer to decide if they even want you to use their song if they like the use and what they feel they should receive of the new song so that's where I think you know I've I try to educate new producers and new writers on the process because it's not just a case of well I think it's 50 percent so it's not as straightforward as that
2: yeah absolutely and it is quite a common question isn't it of a writer or a new producer of oh can I use this sample from say Beyonce and it's like well it comes at a cost and then you know it's also the education of the writing splits and then like the difference between you know publishing and sound recording side and then also like you say when you're using a sample you're creating a brand new work so for both people it's a brand new revenue stream and if for the person who owns the sample and you know it's a new track that could be huge for them yeah but then they also have to be quite mindful of that don't they if you know do I like this artist do I like the track it has your face on it and it has your reputation on it at the end of the day
0: it can throw light on a legacy artist and as you say give life to a a song that hasn't you know earned anything for years but at the same time the original writer has to be happy with the use
2: so You've also been credited in Music Week with transforming how Universal Music Publishing in the UK approaches sampling. And like we just touched on, sampling is an increasingly strong revenue stream for publishers. Can you share a little bit about how you have transformed this area of the business?
0: Basically, I think what I've tried to do is is highlight that highlight how important it is because sometimes sync licensing obviously that's a key revenue stream for publishing I think you know people are always aware of that but I think maybe within even your own company they may not necessarily know that a certain song has been sampled so really it's been about proactively highlighting you know tracks that have been sampled trying to make other teams aware of that trying to educate and proactively push our catalog so when we sign a new writer to UMP and maybe they're more in a dance sphere or electronic music sphere although they're certainly not the only genres of music that sample these days it's trying to sort of say oh did you know they might be kind of looking for a sort of funk track and and so it's kind of like well actually you know we've got this amazing catalog of of potential funk track maybe we could look at using those so it's kind of spotlighting our catalogue as well. Yeah. And I, I think increasingly working with other departments, like working with A and R so there might be a particular act that they've signed that samples a lot. So then it's kind of, you know, having a chat with them, liaising with Sync, working with labels. I mean what's great at Universal is, well, when we're in the office is we're now in a big building with all the labels as well. So increasingly I've got to know more of the label people there. And so there's lots of liaison between us especially if there's a a common you know master and a publishing track that we're clearing or they've got an artist you know who's sampling one of our catalog it's all about improving relationships and actually again also what I've done is I have great relationships with my counterparts at the other majors, so Sony, BMG and Warner. You know, what goes around comes around. It's sort of not helpful for coming with really high quotes on the side of Universal because I will also have to be going to Sony or BMG or Warner's on behalf of our writers. So, you know, we're always trying to be fair and equitable whilst getting the best deals for our writers so that everybody's happy. So, yeah, just generally being... Really passionate about it as well, and just saying, you know, this is incredible. It's a really positive thing because I think, you know, as you were probably aware back in the day, you know, started in hip hop, but maybe sampling had a bit of a bad name with the sort of mainstream music establishment. You know, it was kind of like, oh, it's stealing music. Whereas now, thankfully, that's changed and it's evolved. To become, as I say, a, a, a proper songwriting tool and a really creative one.
1: Here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full time gig.
2: So bringing it back to kind of your career more broadly, and thinking about, you know, people who are either coming into the industry now, or have been working in it for a couple of years, you've always worked on the song side of the business, and started at PRS, and then moved into copyright at BMG, which is now Sony Music Publishing, and obviously now at Universal. So, you know, what was it about the copyright side of the business that interested you to pursue a career in this area?
0: like you as we have said you know i'm all about i love working with songwriters and songs it's all about the song you know i don't want to think i've been working in music publishing for like 30 odd years but yeah i sort of fell into it i left uni got a job at prs which you know the beauty of all these organizations is you work in music because you love music it's also all the per kind of the, the other stuff that's going on you know most people who work in music We'll have some project on the side, whether they're in a band or they're a DJ or they're a producer or like yourself, you know, doing podcasts or, you know, involved with a live venue. It all feeds into, you know, having a passion for music is really important in doing this role. And I suppose like, yeah, I got a job at PRS and that was another hotbed of loads of people who are really into music. And it's a sort of natural progression then to go into publishing. So I got a job at BMG. And back in those days. Um, working in copyright, you would be doing everything. It wasn't just copyright, you know, obviously there's the administration and doing agreements, but you would also be doing licensing then. And obviously over the years, those departments like have now got huge, right. So I had quite a broad grounding in all those areas of publishing. Eventually ended up doing sampling at Sony very specifically and just love it. And then I've got this job at Universal, which I just love. Get to listen to Musical Day. I work with amazing people. Didn't have a plan at the beginning of my career, like, oh, this is what I wanted to end up doing. But I have stayed working in music and I've been very fortunate. You know, I've got two daughters. So luckily I was working at organisations with progressive maternity policies because that's really important. I've just sort of rolled with it, really. But I've now ended up doing something that I love. And I mean, it's quite niche, isn't it? It's when I tell people what I do, it's like, wow. So I feel very fortunate to be doing this.
2: But I think also when you find your niche, that makes you incredibly valuable. Keeps me gamefully employed. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, people come to you because you know everything about sampling. That's an awesome place to be in. So you've said that you've been in the industry for around about 30 odd years and also looking at the K okay, music diversity report that came out last year and then looking at the number of women in the music industry you've stayed in it but one of the key stats in that was you know the number of women really drop off and actually they drop off from the age of 25 plus but then there's a there's more of a, a steep decline from the age of 44. Is there anything that you the industry could possibly bring in to to keep the women in the workforce it's totally relevant i mean it's so
0: encouraging i know there's a lot of work to be done but of course all these like really empowering movements recently me too black lives matter it's all about acknowledging that you know there have been problems with diversity and you know how do we look at meaningful ways to recruit staff from a wider net and how do we keep them and Certainly, like my daughter is 19, so I'm talking, you know, that was 20 years ago. In the last 20 years, there have been great strides made in flexible working conditions. Back at that time, as I say, I was fortunate to work in an organisation that did have a progressive maternity policy, but loads of places didn't necessarily. And also the laws changed and with childcare costs, all that stuff, I think that is getting better. And as a result, hopefully it will mean that we can keep women in those roles should they want to start a family and then still work in music, which, of course, loads of us do. But I think perhaps that may have been a factor in it being prohibitive for women of a certain age to continue to work in music I mean really fortunately I've had amazing mentors senior mentors in my career who are you know friends and also you know Universal we're headed by totally inspirational Jodie Gerson so it's kind of like seeing women doing these things is really helpful you know when you see a woman being able to hold down a senior position and have a family and you know manage it that is also because you know you need a workplace to be able to support that. I think it's all you know getting progressively better. And as I say, the recent movements in calling for this change in diversity are all really positive. All the kind of lobbying groups, all the women in music groups, they're all amazing, like really helpful in making stride, kind of getting more women in positions of authority perhaps in music companies. Because as you say, maybe there is a lot of women who start off in the industry but then maybe less at the top but as i say i do feel like hopefully that is changing
2: yeah i i think it's also seeing someone who looks like you at the top of the food chain and then you know having these empowering icons or you know figures at the top one that comes to mind is cassandra de gracie like she has three kids and she's done incredibly well for herself and she just looks insane and doing a million different things and it's like wow how do you do that but it's so inspiring and it kind of gives you a vision that it is possible yeah and I think probably women as well we tend to have imposter syndrome at points more than our male counterparts having empowering role models and empowering mentors is all the more important
0: I say this with my female friends of my age you know we wish we had the confidence we have now when we were you know in our 20s but yeah it's really important to try not to be intimidated by people in senior positions that you think have all the sort of chat. But actually, we're all winging it to a degree. I mean, obviously, if you're a lawyer, you, you can't be trained as a lawyer. I don't mean that. I just mean that try and try and have a go, try and get involved. And I'm always saying this to my two teenage daughters. As you say, they can have a bit of imposter syndrome. Probably most people will have those sometimes. If You can just push yourself a bit and come out of your comfort zone sometimes and just get involved as much as you can and make mistakes you know it's all really important because I think that's what a lot of us are looking for going back to what skills and experience you'd want personally I would be looking for in a member of staff you don't necessarily you have to have the specific exact experience It's more the skills. Yeah, you know, ideally, I'd like someone who had an understanding of music publishing and perhaps copyright. But really, it's like that having the passion for music, being bright and enthusiastic and a self starter, all that stuff. That's the key stuff, really. There's so many great support groups now. You know, she said so there's a brilliant one called Ladies Music Pub that I love, you know, like really great dynamic, Interesting women doing all sorts of things, but also acknowledging like, oh shit, I don't know how to do that. um You know, why don't you talk to so and so? So you know, it's really good to say in a network, oh, why don't you talk to? As you said earlier, why don't you talk to so and so because they're a real expert on that, or they'll be able to help you. Or you know, it's just having that kind of like, oh, well, just because I don't know it, there are resources there, there are people there that want to help, and I'm very much, you know, I I love that. I love doing that at work,
2: and I love working with young people. So. Bringing it back and kind of encompassing everything that we've talked about, you know, what do you see the future of this era of the music industry looking like in several years' time and and also kind of more broadly on the diversity front as well? What are your predictions or your hopes of what this could look like in the next, say, five years?
0: In terms of diversity, I feel like certainly in Universal there are so many great initiatives being started. It really does feel like some meaningful Discussions and changes are afoot and across the whole industry itself. I think obviously, young generations as well are not prepared to put up with the same thing. So, they're questioning the status quo and authority. And, well, hang on, this seems a bit wrong. Why are there less people doing that? There should be more people doing that. So, I, I, I generally think it's really positive. I'm really ho- hopeful that things are going in the right direction in terms of diversity. Although, as I say, still a lot of work to be done key in the recruiting as well it's kind of like getting out to maybe people from more marginalized communities to say did you know you could do this job okay you haven't quite made it as an artist or or whatever but did you know there are all these roles in the music industry that you could do you know you you don't have to just give up your dream you know that's because that's what they say isn't it music industry is full of of ex-musicians in terms of sampling I mean I'm not sort of a tech expert at all i'm sure we've got our incredible digital teams that would be a better authority on that but certainly what i can say as i i think i might have said earlier is that you know this isn't going away sampling has become a proper songwriting tool it's recognized as such now it's not a fad or a phase i think this will continue to be a revenue generating income stream People will continue to sample, interpolate. I know there's talk about automating the the whole process, but that isn't possible because we would always need to go back to our writers. We always need our writers' approval, but we can certainly try and streamline the application process.
2: Final closing questions. What is the key thing that you've learned in your career that you would want listeners to take away? We've mentioned quite a few. If there's one thing that you had to pick, what would it be?
0: I think it's as I said to get involved to really get involved because that is going to inform your career in music so have a go at everything because that will help if you know if you see on someone's CV when they're applying for a job wow, well, they they're managing an act or they're doing it. it's it's all really feeds into the idea that this person is passionate about music also you know trying new things trying to do those things will lead to relationships that you may not have formed which may lead to opportunities as we've said it's all about relationships.
2: What would you say the best advice anyone has ever given you perhaps something that you or one of your mentors has shared within the past couple of years?
0: It can sometimes be easy to get pigeonholed in a role you know like if you're and sometimes I think people can think oh yeah that's so and so they work in admin and then maybe they view them just in that role whereas you know one of the great things about working at Universal is I feel like I'm really respected for the job I do but also as a music lover also make the most of the networks that are available to you and reach out to people like I'd be really happy for anybody to
2: contact me after the podcast if people want to connect with you where can they find you
0: yeah LinkedIn I'm on Instagram help apps and like send me a message but yeah I'm always happy to help and also with clearing samples I think you know sometimes if you're thinking oh god is this artist off limits or you know I'd say always you know give me a ring I'll be, I'll be able to tell you we'll actually know this particular artist it's going to be really difficult to clear it so at least you have a heads up which is you know useful before you go ahead and record your whole song and you've got this sample in it and then you find out it's not going to get approved I think it's always helpful to be able to give someone a bit of warning about it
2: absolutely well thank you so much for your time it was wonderful to speak to you Uh (laughs) the mellow compass podcast is produced by the wonderful rosie bennett to keep updated on the latest episodes hit like and subscribe and we'll see you next time